0: CaperCast, a podcast where we discuss all kinds of cinematic heists and, of course, capers. My name is Stephanie Cook, and I'm joined by my wonderful co-host, Rippy. Hello. It's been a long time for us, not technically a long time for everyone listening, but it's good to be recording again. I'm so excited
1: to be here with you, Steph. Talk more heists and capers.
0: I'm so stoked. By the time everyone listens to this, it'll have been out for a while, but Wendy and I have been talking about, but haven't delved into it, the new Netflix heist show that's like true oh, Yes and heists. There's like a lot of like fun heisty relating things coming out lately and I'm here for it.
1: Absolutely. I, th- I saw it pop up on Netflix and I immediately texted you. I'm like, have you seen this? Have we talked about this
0: already? <laughs> I know. I'm so excited. And I, I'm i so behind. I haven't watched the second season of Lupin yet, but I'm, I'm going to dig into that soon. I have to be in like the right mind frame because I want to watch it with the subtitles. Agreed. And if I have like a bad ADHD day, I just like cannot just, you know, I need to be on like, my phone or like doing something. And then- right. It just defeats the purpose. And Lupin is so good. You want to, like, give it what it deserves. Right, and a
1: lot of heist movies, you were, like, trying to pay attention, trying to figure out what's going on. You definitely have to be in, like, a certain frame of mind going in.
0: Yes, especially one that we are talking about today is Inside Man. Uh, And that is, it's the most recent of the movies we've watched so far. Uh, It's from 2006. You've probably at least at the very least seen the trailer for this posters Mm -hmm. for it uh, with Denzel Washington. But I mean, I think what you were saying before Whitney, that paying attention and kind of just like keeping an eye out for kind of hints and clues of what's to come is really important in this one. Like they set it up and you're kind of like, Ooh, what's really going on? Like what's What's happening? What's the end game here?
1: Yeah, it's definitely one of the heist movies that doesn't give it away all up at the top. Although he'd like you to think that he does. Like he's like, I'm going to say this. I'm going to lay out the movie for you. And then he repeats it again at the end. We come full circle. But he doesn't really give away all that much up at the top.
0: No, you think there is. But it's like one of those things where later on it makes sense and you're like, oh, okay. But before we get into that, I guess. I guess this is a good time. We haven't really done these warnings before, but I guess it's relevant to kind of say that if you haven't seen this movie and you don't want to be spoiled, this is probably not the podcast for you.
1: Right. I think we, we give away lots of spoilers in this, hoping that maybe you will have watched it before or you see which episodes... We've done, maybe you watch and then you listen, or you've seen it already and you
0: remember what happened, blah, blah, blah. Exactly. And I, I think we've kind of danced around some spoilery things before. And we're like, how much are we giving away? How much are we not? But it's really hard to talk about at the very least the heist portion of things, which is obviously <laughs> the, the whole point of the heist film without getting into some spoilers. Right. So yeah. Again, hopefully you see the title as Inside Man. And if you have not seen that, and you're just like, someday I'll get to this, hold off, unless you are like me and can forget things and just enjoy the journey. Or you don't but... care about spoilers, right. And exactly. here is the
1: blanket spoiler
0: alert. Yes, exactly. So for anybody who hasn't seen it and is just here listening, thank you for joining us regardless. Inside Man, again, 2006, it's about a police detective, a bank robber, and a high power broker who enter high stakes negotiations to put, put a stop to a criminal's heist where him and several co-conspirators are holding hostages within a bank. It is directed by Spike Lee. It's written by Russell Gerwitch, uh, and it stars Denzel Washington, Clive Owen, Jodie Foster, Christopher Plummer, Willem Dafoe, and Chuitel Ejiofor. A pretty star-studded cast. Spike Lee is obviously a huge name in cinema. So, yeah, I guess... We should start with some like blanket thoughts on this film. I had a very, (laughs) I had a very
1: medium response to Inside (laughs) Man. Mm -hmm. I feel like I saw Inside Man when it first came out and it immediately, I immediately forgot all the plot points. Although I do remember watching it the first time thinking that was so clever. And like this time
0: I'm watching it and I'm like, I don't know about all this. I will say upfront that, there are a lot of people in this world who like a slow burn and true, I am not one of those people. I want stuff to happen. I want to be captivated and it's not that I don't think it's a good story. It's not that I don't think, you know, there's excellent acting and all this other stuff kind of going on within. But again, I have ADHD and I get distracted <laughs> so easily. And if the film isn't kind of catching me, story-wise, or if there was no like cool character for me to really latch on to, I find myself struggling to get through it. And this film is definitely slow burn-ish for sure. You know, I think uh, we'll obviously talk about fun facts and trivia later, but one of the things that I read when I was looking this up, was that Spike Lee, there's a there's kind of a fake shootout scene where it's, like, kind of the police imagining what will happen. Oh, yes. Uh, if they go into the bank and, like, you know, what the How criminals go. will. Exactly. And apparently that was only ever kind of, I think, originally supposed to be a conversation, but Spike Lee decided that they needed some, like, drama and something action-packed. <laughs> so they added that in to, like, spice things up a bit. And so... A lot of the film is really just conversations happening between the various bank robbers, the hostages, and then the police officers, and then this character that's played by Jodie Foster, who power broker, I guess. Kind I know, of like what
1: like, did, I heard you say, broker in the description, and I'm just like, is that what she is? She's just like that. a fixer, like a I'm yeah. a rich lady who.
0: Does things for rich people. Yeah. Like, I guess. I I thought she was like a lawyer at first. Like that's my impression. She was meeting with that guy at the beginning and mm-hmm. having, I don't know. I don't really remember much of the conversation, but I thought she was like representing him in some way. But I guess maybe she was, but just not in kind of a lawyer-y capacity. She was like trying to fix something that this guy. Had right. Done. So I guess in retrospect, we're supposed to realize he's a bad guy.
1: Yeah, you know. I don't, I was just like, how does one get a job like this?
0: Like, <laughs> I know, I know. People, it's like word of mouth that she gets paid a lot, and mm-hmm. you know, and somehow people just let her do things. You know, at the end of the movie, again, we've already did our spoilers disclaimer. Mm-hmm. She talks about, oh, I would like argue the morals of this, but I'm off to go help. Saddam Hussein's nephew find a new apartment or something like she says something really kind of like right whatever that's supposed to make her seem like she just doesn't Harder. care just, right yeah she just wants the money I don't know I guess fixer broker is what she's really supposed to be but she doesn't really do anything that we ever really see like no, she just she kinda, really doesn't I don't see like I, I understand what she's supposed to kind of do represent yes but she never really has any interesting moments in this film to me I like, felt like that
1: a lot while watching this I thought that so many of the other side characters Willem Defoe Chiwetel like none of them had like a a breakout moment where I was like oh that was great or like none of them are doing anything that is like really holding my attention Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it felt like denzel was the only one who was really trying anything and i mean i'm not sure that i was like a hundred percent on board with what he was trying this like yeah. half noir half new york detective
0: thing and it really least, has like those homages to noir in there like there's the, yeah the music the silhouette that, and, and yeah, yeah 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 like But at
1: least he was trying it, you know? I was like, he's doing something with this part that he
0: has. I think it's worth noting here that none of the characters, literally none of them are likable. I can't think of anyone, maybe minus the kid that's held hostage, (laughs) that's likable. Even the hostages are kind of obnoxious and awful. Like, they're all kind of just... Well, I mean, if you think about it from
1: the hostages' point of view, they were all taken hostage and then yes. immediately yeah. 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 they all became suspects. Yeah. So they're right. happened a bad day.
0: True. But then you think about like the woman before the hostage situation happened. Oh, and, yeah. Like, how guy she was annoying. Yeah. So, like, you know, I don't know. I don't want to just like rag on this movie. Like, there's definitely a lot of good parts to it. And I think. You know, this is highly regarded, at least kind of in some of of the lists I saw as like a good heist movie. And Mm -hmm. again, it's one of the more modern ones that we've watched so far in terms of capers. But yeah, it it definitely had some odd pacing that at times was really hard to digest. And again, that ability to like latch on to a character just didn't exist for me because like I didn't like any of them. (laughs) and that's like fine you don't have to make likable characters you know like at least if they're not likable make them interesting and definitely interesting but I think paired with the pacing for me it was a difficult thing to sit through like I paused so much to go like oh shoot I have to go water my plants like oh it was (laughs) like an ADHD disaster so it was
1: no, I know was I crap. was watching with Roger and he was also having issues. He's like, hurry up. When will something, I'm like, I'm trying to watch this movie. I'm trying to pay <laughs> close attention. I'm doing this for the podcast. Hang in there. Um, so I, I will say though, I don't know if you noticed this, but it bugged me is that we have a bunch of British actors faking American accents, <laughs> And
0: then the mayor of New York is British. Can, what is that? I totally didn't notice that until, like, you've just mentioned this. Why is the mayor of New York British? Why? That's a bit ridiculous. And I definitely didn't notice that. And I think he's in the scenes mostly with Jodie Foster. Right. So when that was happening, to me, I gravitate towards paying attention to the more interesting of the characters. And, like, he was just kind of, you know. <laughs> yeah you know like she's kind of trying to use him to get what she wants you know you're going to get me into this crime scene you're going to tell the police like that i am to have all the courtesies like extended to me like you're you know so like i think i didn't really pay attention to him as kind of an overall presence like she really commanded the the screen when she there with him it's just kind of forgetting the only line I remember of his is at the end where Denzel Washington comes over to their table at dinner and he's like here's the number for the war crimes division and like (laughs) walks away and he's like what did you get me into and like that's like the end of the scene there were
1: so many corny lines like that. Like, what did you get me into? Like,
0: oh, like so many. Yeah, I think that was like the noir kind of coming out yeah. in it. You know, the music, like as we kind of briefly mentioned, is very noir. It's definitely not kind of your traditional score or kind of, you know, like the kind of heisty music, like that kind of fast paced, like, yeah. <laughs> like it's not happy and kind of like, Suspenseful, like it, it's suspenseful, but in a different way. It's definitely kind of that detective, hard crime kind of thriller, detective thriller music. Yeah, and it's a heist movie, but I think the main character here is primarily Denzel Washington. He's being investigated for, you know, this large sum of money that's gone missing, which you don't really right. ever fully get the full story there. No, you do not. <laughs> The whole thing is like this, this, I was going to say mission, but uh, this job that they're being given where he's negotiating this hostage situation and kind of leading the charge here is supposed to be his redemption from this internal affairs investigation that's happening. It's supposed to be the part where they're like, oh, him, he couldn't have done this. Look at him. Like, he's a great guy. Right. You don't really obviously get to know anybody here like Denzel Washington the most we kind of ever know about him is the money thing and And then he has the girlfriend girlfriend. thing (laughs) yes and the brother of the girlfriend nobody's story is really fleshed out here and no next to nothing about what any of their motivations are especially the criminals I feel like you
1: and I recently not on this podcast had a discussion versus like character driven versus plot yeah yeah and I think that this it's like almost neither. Like because yes. the characters are not super flushed out, then you're like, okay, then I want a lot of cool plot points to bring me along through this heist. Yes. I want like planning and seeing behind the scenes and but there was kind of neither. Like yeah. we got to see the hostages in the bank and we got to kind of see like oh they're digging something in the ground and they're obviously like sometimes pretending to be hostages sometimes not that's interesting but they don't give you enough to like stay super interested in the heist plan and they don't give you enough like you were saying the character information for you to really feel like oh I'm rooting for this guy
0: and i think you know in this instance both of them are supposed to kind of just be anti-heroes like you know like mm-hmm. denzel's not necessarily a good cop and not because he did or didn't steal this money he just right you know inherently we see they they um they arrest a chic uh, person who has been released mm-hmm. from the hostage situation you have to interrogate all of the suspects like all the hostages to make sure that they're not actually one of the accomplices. I think that's a really, that's a scene that feels like a choice to Spike Lee to kind of like portray kind of the stereotypes and what the police do with racial profiling. Yes. To kind of direct their narrative to the way they feel, you know, like Clive Owen at the beginning of the movie is kind of, Pretending to be another ethnicity is using an accent. He's using, you know, things to kind of like throw people off. So they see this chic guy and they're like, oh, thanks. Um, yeah. They kind of show that racial profiling side of things where the cops definitely are going off of nothing with this case and they're just grasping at straws. But then you see the, the criminals too and you don't have any backstory to them either that kind of makes you want to be like yeah I hope they make it like I hope they
1: get this through like we had no problem rooting for the criminals in Top Copy like you know because we were like who is this lady oh she loves emeralds oh yes I want her to get it like why not so we didn't have any reason other than like Clive Owen is super duper smart for some reason like, we don't know where he's from, why he's so smart, like, what he's doing. I mean, yeah. we know he has the the grand motive of, like, outing this J.P. Morgan Chase kind of guy. Mm-hmm, I made mm-hmm. my money off of war crime. But we also don't know why he wants to do that so badly. Like, mm-hmm. was p- one of his family members killed in the war? Or, like, is he Jewish? Or, like, we get yeah.
0: nothing. Nothing. That being said, I'll, I'll be honest. Like I was still rooting for the criminals. Like oh, I want yes. them to like pull it off. I want them to get away with it. And it's bizarre. Cause like sometimes it's rare to kind of not have any story fleshed out whatsoever for anyone. And there's no context for why they're doing what they're doing. You only briefly know that Clive Owen and one of his other accomplices are partners. Like. Intimate partners, like oh yeah. Like you can't at out. the very end, but there, there's no romance between them throughout the film. There's nothing to hint that he would be concerned for her well-being in any other way, never. shape, or form. The only kind of indication, like we get that Clive Owen's smug, we get that uh like he's clearly smart, he's got this big plan laid out, but he never really demonstrates that intellect at any point. You know, we rely on Willem Dafoe, Denzel Washington, and Chuitel Ejiofor to kind of be like, he's smart, he's one step ahead of us, like they tell don't show kind of thing yes because
1: jody comes out of the bank after they let her in for god knows what reason and she's like he's really smart and denzel was like yeah he's smart she's like yeah he's so smart i'm like how did you okay because why he found out the thing and he didn't shoot you immediately and wasn't violent so that makes him super smart
0: come on it's very strange you know and I, I the movie was long i don't know how long but it <laughs> felt long and i realized you know kind of building up either the story or those characters would take away from what's going on in the film and i could appreciate they wanted to just kind of have the movie be set mm-hmm. and focused on the heist but i felt like again there needed to be something a little bit more to kind of drive the narrative. Forward. and I'm sure somebody who's listening to this who's like the biggest fan of like slow burn movies is like rage like flipping their table or something but like I don't know like it's just it's hard for me to get into that and really enjoy those quiet moments when there's not a ton to work with I mean
1: I'm a, a very big fan of slow burn things but you have to still parcel out like little. Mm -hmm. nuggets throughout the movie to like keep you oh okay now I have this and now I have this to like roll around in my mind for the next however long until I get another one and this movie just didn't do that because I think they let it I mean you obviously know who the four bank robbers are Mm -hmm. and then at the very end you find out that there's a fifth and That reveal to me was so pointless because we didn't see him do anything in the heist. We didn't see him give away anything in his interrogation. And then all of a sudden it's just like, oh, also this guy was also in on it. Ha 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 ha. But there was no way for you to know that. It's just a
0: fun little thing at the end. Like That was stupid. Well, should we take a short break and then talk about the heist? (laughs) Okay, okay, let's do it. Okay, we will be right back. Need someone to make all your problems go away? Call today. If you know, you know. The Fixer. It's time to talk about heists. The whole premise of the podcast. Yes. (laughs) So I will say that considering I don't think as a whole I would revisit this movie again for entertainment reasons. Mm -hmm. I did enjoy a lot of the heist. Like the components here and the reveal more specifically.
1: Yeah. I know I was just complaining about the reveal of like the fifth accomplice but the reveal of i'm going to be living in the bank spoiler alerts everybody is
0: interesting very interesting um because they have the the misdirect at the beginning mm -hmm. where you know you think he's in a prison cell and he kind of like leads you to believe he's in a prison cell yeah but like It's not, you know, in retrospect, if you watch the movie again, you're like, oh, he was there. He told me what he was going to do. Well, he told me kind of what he was going to do. That's really the only kind of like hint you get at what's to come.
1: The other hint, or at least another hint that I picked up on was the painter's truck. And the painter's truck is like, we never leave until the job is done or something like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, I thought that was, I'm like, oh, that's clever. That's, that's funny. That was
0: totally one of my little fun facts. And oh, dang it. I'm sorry. No, Sneaked no, from you. it's okay. You noticed it and I didn't. So like, <laughs> that was a big thing. The fake slogan that they have is perfectly planned painting. We never leave until the job is done. Right. What a goofy thing. And like, in retrospect, because like, they're bringing all those supplies in at the beginning of the movie mm-hmm. My recollection of anything that happened in this movie was gone. It was just, it was like watching an entirely new movie. I know I've seen it. I did not remember anything. So, you know, bringing in the paints and stuff in retrospect, they tell you kind of, you know, Oh, they're building something. They're going to be doing something. But in heist movies, you're like, Oh, there's like a demolitions guy or something. Sometimes Mm -hmm. maybe it's like explosives. Maybe it's, you know, this or like whatever more weapons, Exactly. But it's straight up building and painting supplies. Like it was exactly what it appeared to be the whole kind of concept for the heist here. I don't think we've kind of talked about it in an overview. Overview? Okay. So they go into the bank, they take out the cameras, they use what we later find out are toy guns Mm -hmm. to do this whole hostage situation and bring everybody down to the vault level And from there, basically, they have everybody put on the exact same clothes, the exact same jumpsuit, like painter suits and like masks so that the cops will never know who's who. Right. Uh, And so while there's people watching, they're trying to get into, they're not trying to steal everything from the bank. They're trying to rob one specific safety deposit box. And right. find not take everything that's in it. They're there for very specific items within. But they don't tell you that till much, much later. <laughs> yes. And it's weird and it's deceiving because when they do initially open the box, I'm jumping ahead a bit. I've skipped my overview. But like they pull out the box and they pull out, they take out the envelope only, and then they put everything else back, back. in. So, like, it's not even a misdirect. Like, why would you do that? Like, it just, there's some stuff that doesn't fully make sense.
1: But
0: uh, basically, they're, like, you know, the idea is the hostages will eventually be released. After this long wait, the police will be so, you know, overwhelmed. They'll just be collecting everybody because everyone looks the same. They won't know who's, like, the perps, who's just a victim. Right. And... They'll get away with it because they'll have no proof. They haven't robbed the bag. Everybody's fingerprints are there, so they can't prove anything. Right. And again, they've stolen nothing. And we later find out that the safety deposit box that they steal from isn't listed. So it wouldn't be among the items that are canceled. tracked. Exactly. So for all intents of, purf- intents of purpose, nothing has been stolen. Right. And at the end of the day, police will have nothing to prosecute. So that's the idea of the whole heist here. And yeah, I think that's a really fun concept. But again, mm-hmm. it was just like the slow burn, you know, like it's like, yes,
1: uh, I'll say that. like constantly. And it's kind of like, okay, so they're stealing documents that prove that this bank was built off of Nazi war crime money, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And the owner of the bank is like, I cannot ever have this information come out. This is dreadful. So he hires Jodie Foster. And like, I'm looking for those like cool nuggets, like little scenes that keep me going through the slow burn. She goes into the bank. She confronts the robber. And their conversation is so just like, she's like, you have the thing I want. He's like, yep. Yep. And she's like, "Do you know what it is?" Or he, or he's like, "Do you know what it is?" She's like, "No." He tells her. She's like, "Okay, you going to give it to me?" He's like, "No." Okay, and then she leaves. It's like nothing happens. There's no like spark. There's no like her feeling. Oh my god! Like uh, startled to learn this information. There's no. It's nothing.
0: And at the end too, like so, she's this fixer. She's meant to get this. She's meant to bury this. She's meant to like fix. and mm-hmm. you know she sits down with the banker, uh, the guy who owns the bank. He's like, "Did you get it? No." So he has it. Yeah, like nothing is <laughs> resolved there. You know, she's like, "Yeah, he's gonna blackmail you someday with it." And they're like, "Okay, like that's a great result." Like, what? I know. I'm like, did she get paid for that? Like, cause she really didn't do much. Honestly, is that a job? Like, can I just like go out into the world and be like, "Yeah, I'm gonna do this thing." Surprise! I didn't do it. Pay me. Like, what?
1: I don't know. Her plotline really was not the best. It wasn't. I don't think we needed the
0: fixer. It could have been an interesting character if there was kind of more to work with or if she did something kind of more substantial throughout the story. But like she doesn't do anything that's kind of interesting ever and it just kind of, like, leaves you, like, most of the characters, like, it leaves you kind of just, like, wanting more. Like, I'm curious about what's kind of happening. And at the end of the film, Clive Owen says, I'm not a martyr. I wasn't, don't get me wrong, like, I'm in it for the money, but, like, I'm not going to, like, fall on my sword kind of thing. You know, whatever. Again, it's, like, the towel don't show because, like, <laughs> how would we have known that otherwise? Right. Like, Of course you're in it for the money. Why else would you be doing this? You have no backstory whatsoever. And I'm assuming if you had other motives.
1: We would have learned them.
0: And you just don't. So I don't know. I did enjoy the reveal where the cops are being told to drop it. There's nothing to prosecute. And then you see the reveal that they built this whole back room area. Yes. And, okay. We're, well, let's get back to the heist. I, I dragged us away oh, from it. it's okay. I, I'm <laughs> here for it. I'm here for it. So, yeah, I did enjoy that part where, you know, they break apart the door and you see what they've been building this whole time. It flashes back mm-hmm. and they haven't been, you know, haranguing the hostages they've been building. It seems bizarre to me that nobody would have noticed hammering and like the smell of paint or, I um like,
1: I brought that up while I was watching it too. I'm like, why didn't they just bring a jackhammer if they if they are doing all this build if they brought in carts and carts full of supplies? But then I then I told myself, Oh, I guess they didn't want the hostages to hear. So I assume that they kept the hostages far enough away that they didn't hear them digging in the
0: Yeah. Ground. I have like, questions about that. I'm willing to like put that part aside just because, like, I think it was my favorite part of the film—the kind of reveal where Clive Owen crawls out from behind there and you know puts everything back, so you never know that there was someone. There's a room, exactly, and then he does exactly what he promises right off the bat. He walks through the front door. Of course, it begs the question: Then who was he talking to? If everybody else was interrogated, right? But clearly, Clive Owen wasn't. Who is he talking to at the beginning and end of the film to he's tell this to, to, to in the first place? He's life? talking to you, baby. Is he? Is it just like breaking the fourth wall? Because like I everything think else so. is like, okay, everyone else obviously has that moment, but they're talking to the cop, right? Yeah,
1: he's never interrogated.
0: The moment that he just kind of gets away, slips the diamond into Denzel's pocket.
1: Yes, you know. very chutzpah he has. <laughs>
0: It's very good. And then, you know, you see, you don't know that until later on. And then like Denzel puts it all together Mm -hmm. later on at the very kind of final scene where he sees the diamond and he realizes, you know, (laughs) I don't know. The heist was good. I wish there had been more lead up to all of it, though.
1: Right. Either seeing some more of the planning or. Like it doesn't seem like anything ever goes wrong. Like one of his big tactics in the heist is that he wants to send the cops kind of on a wild goose chase Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. keep them scrambling for as long as possible so they can build this secret room. Yes. And so he's like, I want a plane. I want buses. I want this. And then the cops do call him out on it, but he doesn't really pay a super huge consequence for it. There's not a lot of setbacks or like we have to change the plan or we have to go with plan B now, or like
0: the cops figured this part out. So we, it it just didn't, I don't know. Yeah. The closest thing to something going wrong is when Denzel Washington asks for a tour of the hostages to make sure everyone's alive. And he obliges for, I don't know what reason. Whatever reason. reason. And it goes fine until he goes to let Denzel out again and he tackles him to in an effort to kind of get his mask down to see his face so he can identify him but he doesn't succeed in that one of his clive owen's accomplices comes and saves him but like yeah nothing ever really goes wrong that we know of like there's a few hiccups uh you know like oh he knows we're stolen or all this whatever but like Nothing actively, no one gets shot and you're just like, oh no, Steve, he's bleeding No, We got to get like this <sighs> over with soon. Like nothing like that happens right. at any point throughout the film. Like it doesn't feel like, I think this, it doesn't have any stakes Yeah, one way or the other. You know, the highest stakes we have are Denzel and his partner in which they need to like not bungle this so that they can kind of not be investigated more but they do bungle it, you know, they think they get a hostage killed and they're briefly removed from.
1: I think no stakes is pretty like, at no point was I like, they're not going to get away with it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I just, there was no, Ooh, Ooh, is, is, are they, aren't they, you know, kind of moment. Yeah. I agree. Like there's no moment, like in, I just keep referencing top cat because it's the one we've seen the, most recently yeah. it's like where they like drop the rope and the guy starts to fall and you're like, Oh no. Or like, oh, he my God. He yeah, like no. bungles the sword and you think he's going to drop it on the ground. You're like, ah, ah. like, there's no moment of that. where like, Oh my gosh, everything almost was just completely. Fucked. I have no idea how they've realized that the cops realized that the thieves have also bugged them. So the yeah, thieves yeah, have so known good. the whole time. Very clever. Um, what the cops have been planning to do. They find the bug. Denzel tells Willem Dafoe, don't send your guys in there. They know we're coming. They know the plan. They bugged us. And Willem Dafoe goes, I'm going in anyway. Like,
0: why would you do On one hand, I wouldn't put it past the cops to just be like, I want to shoot something. True. But also, tactically speaking, as someone who, you know, Willem Dafoe kind of like, thinks he's in charge and like thinks he's like this hotshot. so like I don't know why you would want to go in when the enemy knows you're coming but, yeah so I don't know there's like part of me that's like yeah that's kind of believable but then it's also that kind of just like but why right so I don't know overall I I, I liked the heist more than the film overall sure The concept for a heist is very interesting one. And
1: one that I don't think I have seen before this whole, like, I'll just break into the bank and live in the bank. And then I'll leave when no one expects it, you know?
0: Yeah. But the rest of it needs to like catch up. (laughs) I think it'll be interesting for us to sit down once we've watched some more films you know we've obviously this is episode five we're just kind of getting into our rhythm here we've had some non-heisty heist movies and just general capers but I think it'll be fun for us to kind of discuss some of our favorite heist movies in like an overall episode someday kind of just like think about what some of these exciting and interesting elements are like I think there's parts of this movie That'll stick with me for sure in terms Mm -hmm. of, again, you know, when you're thinking about, like, a successful heist. Like, I think this moment in building this wall and secret room is something memorable, but the rest of the film itself is inherently forgettable. Well, would you like to hear? I don't have a ton of trivia. There was, like, not a lot of, like, interesting fun facts about this film, to be honest. That's, That's okay. So I have, like, a few things, though. So it was shot in only 39 days. Hmm. Apparently, Jodie Foster did her part in like three weeks, which I think was supposed to be impressive. But like in the fact that the film overall only took less than 40 days to shoot seems less impressive. It's just like, oh, it took that long. She's not in it that much. But (laughs) I digress. I don't know how long things normally take to shoot. Me either. The interrogation scenes were mostly ad libbed. They didn't have a script for those. Interesting. Yeah. So that seems, yeah, like bizarre to me that I guess they just were like embody those characters. And, uh, you know, because like there's a few things that like, is it like the Armenian or Albanian or is that like part of the conversation? Like there's kind of like a few things that call back to the main story mm-hmm. with the suspects and kind of just trying to figure out who's who. Right. And apparently that was mostly ad-libbed. That's interesting. That makes me want to
1: give more props to like the girl with the Long Island accent who is like very over the top.
0: <laughs> oh yeah. I wonder if that would yeah, I'm curious. I'm curious. Because if she's like specifically... ad-libbing
1: all of that, then I'm like, she's good. I
0: like her. <laughs> and then the last thing that I have, again, there was not a lot to work with here. It's okay. Uh, the Cartier diamond in the film is the real thing. The movie borrowed it from Cartier for three days. It's valued at one point five million Adellas. Wow! Yeah. Wow. That reminds me of like a piece of film trivia about like Moulin Rouge. I don't know if you've ever seen Moulin Rouge. I love Moulin oh, Rouge. Yes. But the necklace that um, Nicole Kidman wears that the Duke gives her was made, and it was real. It was made for the film. That's crazy. Right? And it was all diamonds. And it was like, I think it's one of the most expensive pieces of jewelry ever made for a film. Something along Hmm. those lines. We're not talking about Moulin Rouge, so I don't have this fact on hand.
1: But I'm just wondering, I'm like now, if someone tried to heist the diamond during the shoot
0: of this heist movie. (laughs) See, that's interesting. I wonder if there's anything like that. I'm trying to think of, hmm, question. That's fun. I like
1: that. I wonder how many heist movies we will come across maybe oceans eight where it's like the met gala where everyone's rented oh. like beautiful jewelry. Yeah. we like, Oh, what a place to have a heist.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's the only one that I can think of off the top of my head. That's like that, but maybe only because you've specifically led with, right. you know, oceans eight, we have a really exciting next movie. Oh my gosh. It's I can't wait. Whitney's Birthday coming up, and Whitney specifically requested this one. Do you want to tell everyone what it is?
1: Y'all, we're finally doing it. We're doing the Great Muppet Caper.
0: I'm so irrationally excited for this one. It's gonna be a good one.
1: Oh, how can you not just love Muppets? I think it's our
0: first musical caper. Oh, oh, this episode's (laughs) gonna, I feel like it's gonna be so long because we're just gonna like talk about Muppets. Like, non-stop for, like, two hours.
1: I mean, that's what you signed up for, folks. It's true.
0: If you haven't somehow seen The Great Muppet Caper, you should watch it. It's absolutely great. And then you can follow along with us. And our spoiler disclaimer will then be null and void. Uh, yeah. So, FYI, Whitney and I also write things? Like, and do arts for things, too? Well, Whitney, not me. Whitney. Why don't you tell us a little bit about what you've just recently had come out? Oh well,
1: my book "Long Distance," my graphic novel for kiddos, has finally hit the shelves. Uh, it's very exciting. It's about kids learning how to make friends in outer space, sort of. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. you should check it out. You could find it anywhere books are sold. You can find me on Twitter at @HeyWhitney and. Steph, what do you have going on?
0: I also had a book come out recently. What? <laughs> wow. So Paranorthern and the Chaos Bunny, a Hopcalypse just came out in July. It is about a group of kids who accidentally ap- open up a portal to another dimension that is filled with chaos bunnies. The four friends have to then figure out how to find all of these bunnies that are now running around town causing chaos and send mm-hmm. them back from whence they came. And Stop the apocalypse. That's out now. You can check that out if you go to paranorthern.net. And you can follow me at hello cookie on Twitter. Uh, and you can follow both of us and the CaperCast uh, yeah. on Twitter or Instagram at CaperCastPod. And you can send in an email if you have a longer comment or suggestion or whatever to podcast at CaperCast.com. And you could also leave us a voice message at capercast.com if you'd like to send us a question or comment that you would like for us to share on air next time or anytime. That would be so cool. Right? It'd be very fun. So that is it for us. Again, next time we're talking great Muppet Caper. Not going to want to miss it, folks. I'm so excited. So until then, thank you so much for tuning in. This has been the CaperCast. Bye. The CaperCast is hosted by Stephanie Cook and Whitney Gardner. Our theme music is by the very talented Emily Milling.